The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Without freedom of the press, no democratic form of government could exist. We switch you now to London. I'm standing on a rooftop looking out over London. Good night and good luck. Good evening from our CBS newsroom in New York. NBC presents Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. From ABC, this is World News Tonight. With Peter Jennings in London, Max Robinson in Chicago, and from our desk in Washington, Frank Reynolds. Good evening. This historic legislation, the telecommunications law, will create many, many high-wage jobs. will create opportunity and better lives for all Americans. When the press is free, the people of a country are free. When the press is not free, the people of a country are in danger of slavery. Keeping you informed with information, news, and the views of people making the news. It's the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Oh, it's Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. I don't know about you, but I could use a few giggles. Midterm fever in this house right now. Everybody's going to vote, right? Right. Got to vote. Got to yep. play to win. Yep. Now, the midterms are exactly three weeks from tonight, and we will be live. Okay? We're ready. We're already stocking up on Last the time he tried that, it didn't and, go too well. Uh, to make sure we're accurate, we're getting our news directly from our IT guy in Moscow. Ah. Good to know. See you in November, Dimitri. But uh, President Trump already scored one victory this week, and we've got all the deets in tonight's Stormy Watch. Don't know what this is. Don't know what this is. Folks, earlier this year, uh, Donald Trump called uh, Stormy Daniels a liar on Twitter, so she filed a lawsuit claiming the president defamed her. Right. But yesterday, a judge threw out Stormy's defamation lawsuit against Trump and ordered her to pay Trump's legal fees. Now, okay, that's tough, but if she's looking for a way to raise money, I've got a good idea. Yeah. Launch a GoFundMe campaign called, for $10 million, I will stop describing Donald Trump's penis. <laughs> I got my, you got a wallet? Tiny. Got any cash? Got any money? Got any money? Cash. I have some cash. Teeny weeny And the judge's teeny. reasoning for why he threw the case out is it's a little upsetting. Uh, Trump called Stormy a liar on Twitter, but Judge S. James Otero ruled that Trump's speech was protected by the First Amendment because he said it was the kind of rhetorical hyperbole normally associated with politics and public discourse in the United States. It's only normal because Trump made it normal. Like how now it's normal to be buddies with Kim Jong-un, yet fear the cruel and devious Canadians. Trump uh, took immediate advantage of the new normal, tweeting, quote, Federal judge throws out Stormy Daniels' lawsuit versus Trump. Trump is entitled to full legal fees. End quote. At Fox News. Great. Now I can go after horse face. Yes. Horse face. You horse heard it face. straight from the horse's ass. Yes, you did. He... <laughs> Not sure what I'm writing in that metaphor. He continued... And her third-rate lawyer in the great state of Texas, she will confirm the letter she signed. She knows nothing about me, a total con. That is true. You are a total con. Yep. But, comma, yep. comma, a total con. A total con. But on Twitter, just like in real life, Stormy quickly spanked the president, <laughs> retweeting his insulting tirade and adding, ladies and gentlemen, may I present your president. In addition to his, um, shortcomings, he has demonstrated his incompetence, hatred of women, and lack of self-control on Twitter again, and perhaps a penchant for bestiality. Ooh. Game on, Tiny. Tiny. Yeah. Wow. That is the most devastating presidential put-down since John Wilkes Booth shouted, Six Semper Small Penis! <laughs> anyway, anyway, the President of the United States and yeah. a porn star are exchanging ad hominem attacks on Twitter, or as Judge Otero would call it, normal. 
a bit of Stephen Colbert to get us going on this Wednesday. You know, uh, welcome to the show. I'm Nicole Sandler. We come to you live each uh, Tuesday through Friday afternoons from uh, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, and then the show is repeated on the Progressive Voices Network and some other uh, wonderful online stations, um, Netroots Radio and GDPR and um, uh, see when I do this and I forget, I'm not like Brad Friedman where I have a list of all the st- stations that carry us and I forget because I'm, I'm a space cadet. Uh, anyway, thank you to all the people that carry us. You can hear us on the Progressive Voices Network uh, uh, Tuesday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 Pacific. So anyway, um, I, I bring that up to tell you that today on the program, we're going to be speaking with Lee Camp. You know, I've lately taken to starting the show with uh, some comedy offering to at least give you a few laughs because generally what we talk about is pretty serious stuff. Today, though, we speak with an actual comedian, and I'm always in awe of people who can take a, a truly upsetting experience like what we're living through now and and um, twist it around enough so that we can actually laugh at it rather than cry. Anyway, Lee Camp host of Redacted Tonight on RTTV will join us today. He's also got a, um, a comedy special coming up. And Lee, uh, years ago, back in the Air America days, used to be on the show quite a bit. It's when he used to do his moments of clarity where he would rant on a, a different topic for, um, you know, three to five minutes or so and put him up on YouTube. And now it, he's graduated to a full-length TV show and more. So We'll speak with uh, Lee Camp coming up. And, of course, you can't talk about to someone who is on RT, Russian television, without bringing up the um, supposed controversy about RT. Anyway, um, we'll talk with him about all that stuff that's all coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now we are living in surreal times. This story about um, – oh, I, I forgot to pull his name over here. Khashoggi, Khashoggi I think is how – I don't know. There's so many different ways to say it. Um, wait, I've got another. I've got another one here somewhere. I think it's. Is it? No, I lost it. Oh, never mind. Oh, I know where it is. Um. Um. Uh, is it right here? There it is. Here it is. Jamal Khashoggi. Khashoggi. I, I, I love marveling at the different news. I know it's not funny to uh, I'm, I'm trying to make light of this story that is so sickening and so devastating and so disgusting and so um, horrific to even think about that. This is a journalist. This was a writer for The Washington Post who is a U.S. resident, a permanent resident, not a citizen, but a resident here, had a green card, um, who was uh, allegedly murdered at the hands of uh, the Saudi Arabian government inside the, the Saudi consulate in Turkey, where he was getting paperwork, ostensibly, because he was to, to marry his Turkish fiance, And the reports are just astounding that uh, he was tortured uh, there were some reports that say he was interrogated, but later reports say there was no interrogation. They began torturing him immediately. They cut off his fingertips and started cutting off his head while he was still alive. They dismembered the man and took him out in pieces. And all Donald Trump can say is, well, he's not a citizen. He's not a citizen. Anyway, um, and uh, I'm not a baby. Yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, anyway, so, um, well, we'll talk about this and, uh, and a whole bunch more today. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, let's just get started with the news, shall we? It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. So we'll start with this story that is just, uh, it's so disturbing that, I mean, uh, I can't believe that this shit is going on um, uh, in this day and age in the United States of America, but it is. Donald Trump is defending Saudi Arabia against mounting global condemnation over the missing journalist Jamal Khashoggi, uh, claiming the kingdom is being unfairly viewed as guilty until proven innocent. He really said that. The president uh, is apparently criticizing, according to the Associated Press, uh, the global condemnation that Saudi Arabia has received uh, over the apparent uh, killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, the president saying here in a, an interview with the Associated Press, quote, here we go again with your guilty until proven innocent. Unbelievable. President making a reference here, according to the Associated Press, the president making a reference uh, to the allegations that uh, were facing his Supreme Court nominee and now the Supreme Court justice 
Brett Kavanaugh, who the president felt was presumed guilty until there, there was that FBI expanded background check uh, that some Republicans felt uh, was not enough corroborating evidence to keep him from being on the Supreme Court. But the president uh, talking about this case of Jamal Khashoggi with the Associated Press uh, and saying uh, to the Associated Press, here we go again with your guilty until proven innocent. It sounds as though that the president is once again Delusional? taking the denials, oh, accepting sorry. the denials from the Saudi government uh, that they did not uh, have any direct ties to uh, the murder of the Saudi journalist when, of course, there is mounting evidence that says otherwise. Mounting evidence that says otherwise. Now, Trump's comments came amid new reports that Khashoggi was killed and dismembered in a plot organized by a high-ranking officer in Saudi Arabia's main intelligence service. What we understand from several sources is that it was a a senior intelligence figure close to Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince, the man uh, in central single-handedly in control of Saudi Arabia right now, who organized what the Turkish officials are calling the hit squad uh, to come here to Turkey and what Turkish officials have briefed CNN about is that uh, that um, Jamal Khashoggi was in fact dismembered in Ugh. the consulate shortly God, before, so uh, shortly after he went into the consulate. But what we understand about this so-called hit team, according to Turkish officials, the sources, Saudi sources, say that it isn't clear if the team came here to rendition him, but they may have injected him with tranquilizers and somehow that went wrong. And one of the sources says that maybe this did, wasn't authorized by Prince Mohammed bin Salman. That isn't clear. It doesn't pass the sniff test here in, in Turkey because what Turkish investigators are finding is they're getting obstruction, essentially, from the Saudis. When their investigators went into the consulate the night before last, a lot of it had been painted over, uh, we were told. Uh, and a cleaning team had gone in moments uh, moments after it was announced that the investigators right. would be headed there in a couple of hours. And then, on top of that, when the investigators went to the Consul General's house yesterday, a couple of hours before they arrived there, the Consul General fled the country, flew back to Saudi Arabia. The investigators had gone to his house to search his house and search his vehicles. He's believed to be complicit in this. Um, but they weren't. The, the investigators weren't able to get into his house. Gee, I wonder why. Donald Trump has been lying about his ties to Saudi Arabia, tweeting yesterday, quote, For the record, I have no financial interests in Saudi Arabia or Russia, for that matter. Any suggestions that I have is just more fake news, of which there is plenty. <sighs> Donald Trump said this in, in July of 2015. We need to make great deals with other countries. Saudi Arabia, as an, I like the Saudis, they're very nice. I make a lot of money with them. They buy all sorts of my stuff, all, all kinds of toys from Trump. They pay me millions and hundreds of millions. But you know what? They make a billion dollars a day, folks. And whenever they're in trouble, our military takes care. You know, we get nothing. Oh, God. South Korea, crazy is right, right? Who said that? Stand up. Stand up. What an ass. He said it's crazy. What an asshole this guy is. Okay. Um, so that was Trump in <clears throat> July of 2015. Yesterday, MSNBC's Ali Velshi took it a step further. He talked about the business that he does with Saudis. He says they do a lot of business with me. There are yep. several examples. Going back into yep. the 90s with yep. a, a prince who has now had a falling out with the royal family, but he was Alloweed. Prince Alloweed. Uh, he he uh, uh, got Donald Trump out of a pickle by buying his yacht. He got him out of another pickle for $325 million by buying him out of the Plaza uh, Hotel. Uh, the, in 2000, I'm trying to remember the year, uh, the, the Saudi government, not a prince associated with them, the Saudi government bought an entire floor of one of Donald Trump's buildings across the road from the United Nations. As one does. As one does. <laughs> uh, that's just in the past. In most recent history, both in uh, New York and Washington, we've seen remarkable increases in revenue uh, for the Trump Hotel from the Saudis who have come here to lobby. They spend more money on lobbying than pretty much any other country. Um, and in uh, his hotel in Chicago, 168% increase in revenue, uh, uh, rental revenue. So the pre- President's enmeshed with the Saudis in many ways. Now, the technicality about whether he has any businesses in Saudi Arabia, that doesn't exist. Uh, I think in 2016, there were eight registered Trump companies in Saudi Arabia, all of which were withdrawn by the end of 2016. So maybe the tweet is talking about something very specific and technical. But Donald Trump has more uh, involvement and is more enmeshed with the Saudis than any president in American history. No, the thing that that explains it all is Donald Trump is a... Liar, liar, liar. 
he's just a liar. He lies about every goddamn thing. So although Trump seems to be protecting his Saudi benefactors, his golfing buddy, Lindsey Graham, was singing a very different song uh, this morning on Fox and Fiends. The Secretary of State yeah. is heading over there now to try to get some answers about yeah. what happened to the or maybe Saudi it was embassy yesterday. inside Turkey. You know. Yeah. What happened? Who's to blame? Well, I know this. Nothing happens in Saudi Arabia without MBS knowing it. Who's NBS? He's the 33-year-old crown prince who mm-hmm. jumped him over other people. He's the son of the existing king, and I think he's on a, on a bad track. I can never do business with Saudi Arabia again uh, until we get this behind us. Right. And what does that mean? That means I'm not going back to Saudi Arabia as long as this guy's in charge. So Ooh, you're telling threat. the crown prince has to leave? It's up to them, but I'm not going back. I've been their biggest defender on the floor of the United States Senate. This guy is a wrecking ball. He had this guy murdered in a consulate in Turkey, and to expect me to Ooh. ignore it, I feel used and abused. I was on the floor every time defending Saudi Arabia because there's a good ally. There's a difference between a country and an individual. The right. MBS figure is, to me, toxic. He can never be a world leader on the world stage. So what does the president do? Sanctions? It's up to the president. But what I would do, I know what I'm going to do. We're going to sanction the, the hell to out give of Saudi a Arabia. Kiss. You know, we deal with bad people all the time, but this is in our face. I feel personally offended. They have nothing but contempt for us. Why would you put a guy like me and the president in this box right. after all the president has done? This guy's <laughs> got to go. Saudi Arabia, if you're listening, there are a lot of good people you can choose, but MBS has tainted your country and tainted himself. MBS has got to go. That's Lindsey Graham saying that. I when his best buddy Donald Trump is is defending MBS. MBS, give me a fucking break. Um, uh, you know, speaking of liars, because we were, um, Lion Ted returned to the stage last night in the second and final debate between. Senator Ted Cruz and Congressman Beto O'Rourke, who's challenging Cruz for his Senate seat. Um, we watched the debate. It was on C-SPAN last night. And I got to tell you, O'Rourke is the real deal. He came out swinging. This is what you can expect over the course of this debate. Uh, Senator Cruz is not going to be honest with you. He's going to make up positions and votes that I've never held or have ever taken. He's dishonest. Yep. That's why the president called him <laughs> lying Ted. Yep. And it's why the nickname stuck, because That's right. it's true. That's that's right. It is true. It's true. It's true. Uh, uh, Cruz displayed his tone deafness when he was asked about the lack of civility in today's political discourse when he actually chastised the moderator for trying to ask him a follow-up question. You are right that there there is a loss of civility. There is an anger. There is a rage on the far left that, that is really frightening. You know, the images... Of, 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 uh, hold on, let me answer with... Don't interrupt me, Jason. The images... <laughs> Excuse of, me, of, you of, hear the audience sort of go, whoa. A left-wing mob beating left-wing on the doors mob. of the Supreme Court. Give me a fucking break. That's not good for our country. We can disagree while treating each other with respect, while treating each other... With civility. Hey, uh, Raphael, a mob is what was marching with torches in Charlottesville, saying, chanting, Jews will not replace us. That's a mob. The people who were protesting in front of the Supreme Court weren't banging down the door, and they were not a mob. They were protesters, constitutionally allowed, right there in the First Amendment, protesters. I got to tell you, O'Rourke was in fine form. He was really good. Uh, Ted Cruz seemed to be struggling a little bit. With Congressman O'Rourke leading the way, two years of a partisan circus shutting down the federal government in a witch hunt on the president, that's not good for the state of Texas. It's not good for our country. Uh, Senator, that is your time. 90 seconds response from you, Mr. O'Rourke. Really interesting to hear you talk about a partisan circus after your last six years in, in the U.S. Senate. I got it. So this was a, a Texas debate. I, I'm not sure what city it was in. Um, and, and because there's national interest, it was on C-SPAN. But it was, a, it was a small kind of studio audience there. And they all kept it pretty, um, um, uh, you know, they followed the uh, the, the instructions not to, you know, laugh, not to clap or boo or anything. But uh, um, uh, O'Rourke clearly was a crowd favorite, and they didn't seem too taken with Ted Cruz. Anyway, so that happened. What else is going on? Trump um, sat for a few interviews this week, of course, all with friendly 
um, uh, outlets, Fox and Fox Business, and uh, but he did he did do a uh, wide ranging forty minute interview with the Associated Press yesterday, defending Saudi Arabia from growing condemnation over the case of the missing journalist. He accused his longtime attorney Michael Cohen of lying under oath. And he flashed defiance when he was asked about the insult, horse face, that he hurled at Stormy Daniels, the porn actress who accused him of lying about an affair. The president is essentially taking a victory lap after getting that legal victory yesterday in the Stormy Daniels case. And he's tweeting at her in a language that, frankly, I don't think we've ever heard a president use. He describes her as a horse face and says that he is going to be able to go after her and her third rate lawyer. Oh, he's just he's just such a despicable creature. And it, it galls me that um, he's the president. No, I'm looking at the chat room. He's a witch. He's a witch. Burn him. Burn him. Sorry, just reading, reading the comments in the chat room. Got a little too animated there. Uh, there is more news. Bloomberg today is reporting that special counsel Robert Mueller is expected to issue findings on core aspects of his Russia probe very soon after the November midterm elections as he faces intensifying pressure to produce more indictments or shut down his investigation. So, um, I've heard this now from a few, um, different sources that Mueller might be ready to start wrapping things up. Uh, specifically, they tell us, I think this from Politico, Mueller is close to rendering judgment on two of the most explosive aspects of his inquiry, whether there were clear incidents of collusion, although that's the wrong word, it's conspiracy, that's that's the legal term, uh, between Russia and Donald Trump's campaign, and whether the president took any actions that constitute obstruction of justice, hint, he did, uh, according to one of the officials who asked not to be identified speaking about the investigation. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Mueller's findings will be made public if he doesn't secure unsealed indictments. The regulations governing Mueller's probe stipulate that he can present his findings only to his boss, who is currently Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. The regulations give a special counsel supervisor some discretion in deciding what is relayed to Congress and what is publicly released. This is going to be a clusterfuck once we get past the elections, because you know Trump is going to start, well, I was going to say firing people, but he doesn't do that in person. He's too chicken shit to do it. So he's going to tweet out his firing of people. Um, uh, probably starting with Rod Rosenstein and Jeff Sessions. So who knows if we're going to see, somehow we'll see the results of the Mueller probe. We just have to. Uh, Disturbing news out of North Dakota, where um, Senator Heidi Heitkamp apologized after a newspaper ad released by her campaign used the names of sexual assault survivors who did not give permission for their information to be used and incorrectly identified others. Heitkamp, who's facing a tough reelection bid in a state that Trump won by 36 points, said in a statement that she recently learned that several women named in the ad hadn't authorized it or are not survivors of abuse. Um, it's pretty damning stuff. Apparently the staffer that was responsible for that is no longer with the campaign. And finally, to our friends to the north, recreational marijuana became legal in Canada today. Canadian adults can now carry and share as much as 30 grams of legal pot in public. This thanks to a bill passed back in the summer. Canadians can also grow up to four marijuana plants at home and make products such as edibles for personal use. Legalizing weed is expected to create a $4 billion industry in Canada. Here in the U.S., nine states and Washington, D.C. allow recreational marijuana use. And already, um, I don't know if it was Merkley or Wyden, but one of the senators from Portland, uh, from Oregon, is saying, hey, this is going to leave us out behind where, you know, let's let's get this going. (laughs) Let's get this going here. Uh, There's a lot of revenue we're leaving on the table. All right. We do have uh, Lee Camp coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's take a quick uh, break and check in with Brad and Desi in the Green News Report. Five days after the storm slammed into the Florida panhandle, patience is running thin. Large swaths of the Florida panhandle still awaiting aid after catastrophic Hurricane Michael. Michael was the fourth record-breaking hurricane to make U.S. landfall in the past 15 months, 
Plus, I'm not denying climate change. Despite Michael's record-breaking destruction, Republicans are still denying the science and the economic impacts of climate change. All of that destruction and denial straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. A U.N. report warning about catastrophic damage from climate change drops just as such a hurricane hits. Only a moron could not see the connection. Or as Trump said, I don't see the connection. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, if I'm not mistaken, your teaser there at the top about Michael as the fourth hurricane hit the U.S. over the past 15 months, that doesn't include Hurricane Lane out in Hawaii, though, does it? No, but Hurricane Lane only skirted Hawaii. It didn't actually make landfall. So it left a record amount of rainfall in Hawaii, but it doesn't count because it wasn't a hurricane when it hit the island. Basically, yes. I see. Well, on Monday, President Donald Trump toured some of the destruction left behind by Hurricane Michael across several southern states. The Category 4 storm obliterated entire neighborhoods. As of airtime, at least 18 people are confirmed dead across four states, but that number is likely to rise as rescue crews search for at least 30 people still listed as unaccounted for. Nearly one week after the storm, emergency services have still not reached some storm victims, with food and water being airdropped into rural areas that were cut off. More than 200,000 people are still without power amid stifling heat and humidity, with some officials warning that electricity in some areas might not be restored for a month or more. What is this, Puerto Rico? Officials in Mexico Beach warned that recovery could take a year. Yes, it's Puerto Rico. For the record, Hurricane Michael was the most powerful hurricane ever to hit the Florida panhandle. It was the strongest storm to make landfall in the continental U.S. since Hurricane Andrew in 1992. Hurricane Michael now ranks among the top four most powerful hurricanes on record to make landfall in the United States. Michael was the strongest hurricane to hit Georgia since record-keeping began in the 1850s. Michael was so strong that the rumbling of its winds and waves showed up on undersea seismometers Mm. that measure earthquakes. Wow. Michael was the fourth Category 4 hurricane to hit the United States in just the last 15 months, following last year's Harvey, Irma, and Maria. Climate change is already having an enormous economic impact right now. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to the economic impact on Marco Rubio's campaign if the Koch brothers pull out their money if he stops denying climate change. Good point. For much more on all of these stories, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Follow where the money goes. Follow where the money goes. Follow where the money And now, back to Nicole on Progressive Voices and NicoleSandler.com. All right, joining us on the line now is an old friend of the show, Lee Camp, as a stand-up comedian, a writer, an actor, and activist who hosts the weekly comedy news show, Redacted Tonight, with Lee Camp on RT America. Uh, hey, Lee, it's been a few years since we've seen each other. I don't know if you remember, but the last time I saw you was in the middle of a march in Washington, D.C. during the Occupy Wall Street days. Oh, I've forgotten it's been that long. But it yes, has. those were uh, those were heady times, as uh, the philosopher Slavoj Zizek called them, uh, the, the days of dreaming dangerously. Yeah. I, you know, I thought at that time that that there was some big sea change coming. I thought finally people are taking to the streets and standing up. And then the police crackdown happened in every city that there were occupying encampments, and they basically uh, just shut them all down. And uh, the next election, we wound up with Donald Trump as president. Where the hell did we go wrong? Well, it's, you know, you, you, we are, we are and continue to, we're and continue to be going up against, you know, the most powerful forces in the world, the largest corporations, the most money, the most powerful people, and in, in a certain sense. And so 
I think the ripples of Occupy continue. I don't think you would have had the Bernie Sanders movement without it and the, and the language that continues to be used, like the 99%. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that the the occupiers can be blamed that much for what went wrong. I think that the, the forces designed to crush dissent and dissident voices are just very powerful. And in fact, this you know, this is kind of reeking of the days of when they were crushing Occupy with this... Uh, giant Facebook censorship last week, 800 pages that are, you know, great journalistic outlets like Anti-Media and Free Thought Project uh, all wiped away in, in one day and the Twitter accounts of the editors taken down simultaneously. Wow. Now, that, so who makes those decisions? Do we know? We don't know, but we do know that a lot of the censorship like that began not long after Facebook began partnering with the Atlantic Council, which is an offshoot of NATO, Ooh. and uh, the board of directors is people like Kissinger, General Petraeus, General Wesley Clark. So it is, you know, the, the, the corporate state and the deep state, are, are, it seems to be the ones making these decisions or at the very least putting pressure on the Facebook organization to, uh, to crush these, these uh, you know, anti-establishment independent voices. Right. Actually, the who you described sounds like the uh, military-industrial complex to me. Yeah, very much so. And actually, several of the pages that were taken down were ones that are meant to uh, keep an eye on the police and police brutality. Mm. So cop, cop Block is one of them, uh, Police the Police. Another one, ironically, called Photography is Not a Crime was taken down. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so these are, they're, ostensibly, there are people within these organizations at Facebook, at Twitter, at Google, who are making these decisions. I, I guess, you know, it, it, yeah. it comes down to a question of regulation and who the regulators are. I mean, uh, I, I think that we do need to combat, um, I don't want to use the term fake news, but made up shit that is propagated, you know, online um, uh, and, right. and by some bad actors. Um, but but uh, there has to be some kind of de- democratic way to go about this. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I think, you know, people should be allowed to post whatever they want, largely, unless it's, you know, calling for violence. But mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, I don't know that anyone would criticize it if Facebook had a little thing next to it that said, you know, this has been fact-checked and, and proven false according to this source and this sort, uh, source. Unfortunately, what they've done for their quote-unquote fact-checking is partner with people like the Weekly Standard, uh. which is a, right, a right-wing outlet that is now telling Facebook what is true and not true. And in fact, um, uh, which I'll, I'll think progress, which was celebrating previous censorship on Facebook as, you know, dan- dancing around going, ha-ha, we stopped the fake news. Think Progress was then given a warning and had their post heavily restricted because they posted an article saying Kavanaugh had uh, had said he would overturn Roe v. Wade, and the Weekly Standard said that called that false, and therefore Think Progress was all of a sudden on the on the end of the butt end of the censorship. And it's like, well, you know, don't celebrate censorship and don't and and not know it's going to come back to bite you. Uh, in the end. No kidding. Um, speaking of censorship, this is a good time to, to launch into, uh, questions. We're speaking with Lee Camp, who, uh, among being a stand-up comic and an actor and an activist and a writer, um, hosts the, sh- the news show, the comedy news show, Redacted Tonight with Lee Camp on RT America. You've said that, um, uh, you're not, you're not censored at all on your show. You write each show yourself and nobody tells you what you can or can't talk about? Yeah, I've never I've never been uh, told not to talk about something or told to talk about something. And you know, if people go back to before I was at RT America, I'm saying all the same things. I'm, I, you know, I'm just opposed to the, the the corporate exploitation of people around the world. And you know, I'm anti-war, and I continue to uh, talk about all those things. And you know, this is this is one of the only national channels that you can have that freedom, and that's why you see so many rejected. You know, people that have been pushed out of the mainstream media for standing up against, uh, you know, weapons contractors and big oil and big pharma, the ones that fund the mainstream media, they end up, you know, at RT America. You talk about Jesse Ventura or Chris Hedges. Um, it, it, it's, it's 
really like if you you know and Ed Schultz was pushed out you know unfortunately he, he passed away recently but Ed Schultz was pushed out of MSNBC simply for supporting Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. he was basically f- fired or, or forced to resign and and that's why he ended up at RT America so it is you know it, it's crazy that you you have to go to these uh, other very few sources to actually speak out on on so many crucial issues well, let's address the critics, though. Let me play devil, devil's advocate for a moment, sure. um, because RT stands for uh, Russian Television. RT America is is known as Russia's propaganda outlet in the U.S. for TV. They have Sputnik Radio, and they have RT for Russian Television. Um, what do you say to the critics who who say this is simply, you know, Russian propaganda? They're trying to uh, give uh, exposure to those uh, the biggest critics of of U.S. government. Well, I don't think it's known as a Russian propaganda outlet. I think it is known as a Russian-funded channel, um, uh-huh. and and any any channel has you know, like for RT News, they have the right to to cover what they want to cover. But I hope people will look at my show for its own merits and decide what my show stands for. And it's the same things I've always stand for. And I think you get the same answer from these highly, you know, impressive people like Jesse Ventura and Chris Pulitzer Prize winning mm-hmm. winner Chris Hedges. Right. Um, it, it's, it's like the, the, many of these people are impressive people, and I don't think anyone is pointing at them and saying, oh, oh they're propaganda. Larry King is on the channel. I mean, hmm. you know, so it, I, I think that that's just a form of neo-McCarthyism. It's, it, it's really sad to see all of America redo something that historically we look back with shame at. I mean, I, when I was growing up, McCarthyism was viewed as this shameful, pathetic, and barbaric period in America's history. And to watch us do it all over again is truly kind of mind-blowing. And, you know, I, I just I, I write everything I say on the show, unlike any other comedian probably with a TV show, because, you know, I, I'm not saying they aren't great comedians. Some of them I know personally, and they're wonderful comedians, but they have teams of writers, mm-hmm. whereas... I'm I'm writing my own words and my wow. own opinions on uh, Redacted tonight, and you know anybody can can look at it and look up what I'm saying and and check it out. And I just ask people to judge my show for its own merits. The other thing uh, which uh, I, I'd like to point to is is people want to just paint the entire you know RT brand with this giant brush, whereas people don't do that usually with other networks like. People don't ask, uh, you know, John Oliver to answer for whatever might be on HBO. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, mm-hmm. oh, what about tax? What about uh, uh, real sex, John Oliver? Why is what do you support with that episode of Real Sex? It's like just because you're on a network doesn't mean that the network is the entire thing. Uh, you know, there's 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 people that are probably slightly better journalists on Fox News than Bill O'Reilly was. So. <laughs> It's like I think things shouldn't be painted with this giant brush. You know, I don't think Anthony Bourdain is the same as Ander, you know, was the same as Anderson Cooper. Mm-hmm. So I, I just hope people judge my show for its own for its own merit. I'm impressed that you say you write everything yourself. You do a weekly show. You tape it on Thursdays in Washington, D.C. in front of a live audience, which, by the way, you're always looking for studio audience, right? Every every Thursday night, you basically do a live show in, in D.C. that people uh, can come to free of charge, huh? Yeah, everybody can uh, attend our show. And, and, you know, that's that's the other thing is we're very open about how everything's done here and, and our show. And, and, you know, when NPR wanted to do a hit piece on me, uh, Scott Simon asked if he could uh, come attend the show. And I said, certainly, it's open to everyone. And mm-hmm. so he came and attended a show and, you know, had to had to stretch his his uh, form of attack in order to uh, encapsulate the fact that we had a very lively, wonderful audience here of people that care a lot about the world, care about, you know, you know the reason, listen, if, if every network were talking about stopping war and stopping big oil, which, you know, the IPCC says we have 11 years left yep. before th- this world is done, um, and stopping big pharma, which 115 people die a day from opioid uh, crisis, like, if, if the other networks were talking about that, no one would turn on my channel. No, I mean, uh-huh. no one would turn on my show because right. they, they, they would get it everywhere else. But instead, there's a lot of very passionate people that are turning to RT and turning to Redacted Tonight 
because they want to hear a, a, a viewpoint that is saying, hey, maybe we don't need to be bombing. I mean, the estimates are over 100 bombs are dropped a day in our names. Yeah. No, I hear you. And you're right. It's not talked about. Um, uh, the, you know, at, at least there's a store, a news story about, um, well, the, the murder of a journalist of Washington Post columnist, uh, Khashoggi, yeah. whose name I can't pronounce, but I don't think anyone else can either. Um, yeah. uh, but at least the media is covering it. Um, unlike, you know, some of the other stories, like, like the, the, the atrocities going on in Yemen right now. What? Well, that's a, that's a great point. And at first, when it first started, when they first started covering that, which I was like, wow, they're, the mainstream media is being regularly critical of Saudi Arabia, yeah. which they have never done. I mean, despite the fact that we have a genocide going on in Yemen and we're supporting it and Saudi Arabia is perpetrating it, uh, it, it, it like never basically, you know, there'd be one little mention that we bombed a school bus and killed 40 mm. children mm-hmm. in Yemen or whatever. And, and it was like, wow, why are they finally covering this? And I think the answer is that this is, and it, this was done to an elite journalist. This was done to a Washington Post journalist. Mm-hmm. He was executed by Saudi Arabia. And I think that when you, you see a country like Saudi Arabia uh, do something so, uh, you know, in, in your face, uh, kill a journalist, uh, likely kill a journalist, um, I, I think because it's an elite journalist, that is why they stand up against that. Whereas, you know, they haven't, stood up for the the press being shot by Israeli soldiers, the Palestinian press that have press written across their chest and are hit by Mm. snipers, meaning Mm -hmm. snipers were aiming at press. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Certain things just don't get covered. But then let me, uh, again, to play devil's advocate on your show. Um, I don't think you've, you've talked much about, uh, the Russia probe and, and, and the, the stolen 2016 election. Well, what, I mean, what do you think happened true. there? No. Okay. Then tell me. No, let, let, <laughs> let me, let me, let me correct you. Please. Uh, I, I, I actually have talked uh, a lot about it. And when the New York Times tried to make that same, uh, accusation about me in my response, which luckily went viral, I linked to like seven videos where I've covered it. But the reason people say I don't cover it, or I guess the New York Times said I don't cover it, right. is because I'm not covering it from the angle the mainstream media wants us to all file, fall in line with. And again, no one's told me to say this. These are my own views, reading the journalists I respect and the people doing this research. I am quoting from Ray McGovern, mm-hmm. you know, and, Love and, and BIPS, oh, right. yeah, 27-year CIA veteran right. and Bill and Bill Benny and they, they you know they've said sure maybe some Russian hackers scanned some publicly viewable uh, websites uh, who knows but w- the actual DNC leak was a leak from the inside as all the data has shown and uh, and so I've been interviewing those type of people and talking about it from the angle that I believe. And apparently, because that doesn't fit with your corporate mainstream, let's all get in lockstep and say, this is what happened, then people say, I don't cover it. But in fact, uh-huh. I've covered it intensively. Gotcha. Well, what do you, how do you think, um, uh, do you think Trump won honestly, or do you think it was interference by players? Could be, uh, I'll quote Trump, could be Russia, could be China, could be, could be a lot of people. Um, are, do you think it was, it was interference in the election that did it, or do you think people were just so fed up, didn't want Hillary Clinton and, and voted, uh, against her? Well, what I covered a lot leading up to the election and then in the weeks after the election mm-hmm. was that there was there was election fraud on both sides. And I do believe that I don't know how much uh, in it. So let's just focus on the general election. I, I covered the election fraud in the primary uh, a ton. Mm-hmm. But let's just focus on the general election. I don't know how much um, election fraud benefited Hillary in terms of these black box machines that we can't know what's going on, but that statistical uh, experts have, have said in certain specific areas seem very likely to be fraud simply because the numbers don't, like they don't make, they're too, they're too perfectly set up. They don't make sense in terms of a random assortment of people voting. But so I, I don't know how much Hillary might have benefited, but I can, I can say with a lot more certainty that Trump definitely benefited from the voter purges and uh, an interstate cross check, mm-hmm. which Greg Palace has done a lot of great work on. Great work. And, and uh, you know, there were hundreds of thousands purged from the rolls 
in Michigan alone, and Trump only won by 10,000 in Michigan. So so I absolutely think Trump benefited from this immense purging of of votes and everything. And the guy who created it, Chris Kobach, he then, Trump then tried to make his, you know, election czar, (laughs) which didn't go well, and Uh that ended. But, um, you know, so I, and I covered that a lot. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely think there was election fraud. I don't know what, I mean, Hillary got the, the popular vote either way. So, um, I, I think if we got rid of this stupid electoral system and had a uh-huh. had a popular vote and had uh, publicly accountable voting machines, I think you'd see very different elections. Or even, you know, a, a revolutionary idea, paper ballots hand counted. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 The, the, the key would be to, to once you have those, uh, you know, counted is to have them viewable for everybody to come and check out. You could have audits. You could have. You know, some people want to go to paper ballots and then put them through a digital machine that you Why? still don't know whether right. it's, it's actually counting them correctly or not. Yes, that's what they do down here in Florida. A few years ago, after the the, <laughs> the, the, the touchscreen debacle, uh, they got the the you know the the you fill in the bubble and you put it through the machine. Uh, but the machine just tells you, thank you, your vote has been counted. It doesn't tell you how it was counted. It doesn't say this is how we registered your vote, even though that could be different. Um, but you don't even get that much. And in Florida, there's no mechanism for a hand recount. Um, so, Well, and, and in Florida, which this should be a national story, is, you know, Tim Canova successfully got the courts to uh, demand that, he'd be able to see the paper ballots yep. and before he could look at them, they were destroyed, you know, thousands and thousands of ballots by the Broward County board of elections yep. uh, supervisor. And she admitted under oath that, yeah, she, she signed the order to have them all illegally, dec- you know, criminally destroyed. And she's claiming, Oh, I didn't know what I was signing, oh. but it, you know, it's, it's laughable. Clearly someone did not want these ballots rechecked. That's right. And so now Tim Canova is running as uh, with no party affiliation. He didn't go up against Debbie Wasserman Schultz in the primary because last time the, it was rigged against him. So this time he'll yep. be on the ballot in November. And that's the, the next district over from me. Unfortunately, I can't vote for him. But, uh, you know, things down here in Florida are as they've always been. That's why I call it Florida. Um, we're speaking with, with Lee Camp. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the fact that your show, Redacted Tonight, is on weekly on RT America. But you have got a new comedy special coming out, and it's called The Very Patriotic Super Uncle Sam Comedy Special Not Allowed on American TV. Um, it's going to be released uh, on Election Day, November 6th. But if it's not allowed on American TV, and we know that because it's actually in the title of the show, where will we see it? <laughs> It is only available at LeeCampComedySpecial dot com. Wow! Um, which which people can just go to LeeCamp dot com, and I'll I'll have it up there soon. But uh, and they can use the promo code um, Uncle Sam for twenty five percent off. But yeah, I'm I'm doing that because it's you know I'm I'm not really even the ones that are kind of outside the mainstream like Netflix and stuff they don't they don't really want someone that's you know truly anti war anti corporate. Uh, questioning our, our an economy set on gross domestic products so that everything has to keep producing and we're just destroying the environment around us and that's not really the type of comedian they want on their on their channels their networks their stations so uh yeah i'm so i self-produced this i filmed it in los angeles uh with uh, special guests abby martin and jimmy Dore. And it was a hell of a night. And you've got actually some West Coast dates coming up as well that people can find your schedule at LeeCamp.com, right? Um, yeah, LeeCamp.com. Um, uh, LeeCamp.com. And uh, I'm playing Santa Cruz, uh, nice. Los Angeles, um, San Diego, and San Francisco. And that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, that that that's always nice. Um, do you, do you notice the difference um, uh, of between say the Los Angeles crowd and the Washington D.C. crowd? Uh, yeah, well, you know, Washington D.C. is pretty funny because everybody here is somehow like connected to is somehow connected to uh, to um, like the government or the media or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it, it feels like whenever you make those political jokes, harsh pro- political jokes, they seem to back off, even though this is a heavily uh, democratic uh, city, but 
it's like, you know, my, my friend, John F. O'Donnell, who's on Redacted tonight, he had the perfect joke whenever he would go on stage here. He would say, applaud if you think Edward Snowden's a traitor, and a couple of people applaud. And he'd say, applaud if you think Edward Snowden's a hero, and a couple of people applaud. And then he'd say, applaud if you have an opinion about that, but you don't want to reveal it by applauding because <laughs> it might hurt your job or, or hurt, you know, what you're, you want to move up in your career, and that's uh-huh. a dangerous thing to do. And then everyone laughs. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's funny, but it's very telling as well. I, I would just yeah. think that maybe in D.C. they'd get it a little more. I mean, uh, after I lived in Los Angeles for 15 years, and it's, you know, the the sensibilities, it's more a showbiz town, obviously, than a politics town. But, you know, you mentioned that some of the yeah. channels like Netflix and Hulu, they've got some good political shows on them, too. I mean, I think it's opening up more than, than it has been in the past, or certainly more than uh, the networks would allow. Yeah, no, I don't want to say there's no good comedy out there. I think there's plenty of good comedy, and I think you know there there are certainly important political moments on on certain shows, uh, you know, like John Oliver's show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I think you know people, people. There's a lot of anger back and forth, or arguing back and forth about what's really edgy and banned on our airwaves nowadays. And let's be honest, it's not curse words. Those can be bleeped out. It's not, you know, if you're on HBO, you can curse all you want. It's mm-hmm. not talking about sex or anything. Really, what's really kind of kept out of those areas is questioning of capitalism, is, uh, you know, qu- like questioning kind of the system as a whole, like the military-industrial complex as a whole. You can, and I believe this is a, uh, Chris Hedges uh, said this when he was asked about whether The Daily Show has an impact. He said, well, for the most part, what they'll do is poke fun of the foibles of the leaders without getting at the heart of the system. And I feel it is that it's that next step at the heart of the system that is kind of not really allowed. Mm. Uh, that that's that's a, a good observation as well. I wonder. Lee Camp again is with us, and you make a you earn a living um, uh, being funny about things that, at, with each passing day, are more and more inherently not funny. I went through a <laughs> a, a, a serious breakdown. I mean, I can say it now because I think I'm I'm coming out on the other side. But as someone who's suffered from depression my whole adult life and and deals with, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety and all this, the election of Donald Trump really had an effect on me. I I mean, I I I yeah. I had my moments of breaking down on the air. I think I covered it for the most part, but I spent a good year or more in a really bad state of anxiety and depression, um, mostly over the, the, you know, personal stuff aside, the future of this country, yeah. the fact that we elected a, a buffoon like Donald Trump as president and this man, uh, problems that this country has had for years uh, uh, aside, this guy is, is the laughingstock of the world and the things he's doing are not funny. So how challenging is it to be funny about things that are inherently not funny? Well, I think you can you can make fun of almost anything as long as the victim of the joke, and most jokes do have a, vi- a victim in a way, as long as the victim of the joke, in, in my opinion, and, but you'll see other comedians I don't like doing the opposite, but mm-hmm. the victim of the joke is the powerful, and you're standing up for the oppressed. So, you know, in, in my opinion, there are jokes to be made about our corporate media, about the, you know, the ruling elite. That's where I feel the best humor comes in. If you're one of the people saying, you know, oh, these, these women need to stop this Me Too crap, and, and then you have a joke about that, it's like, well, you're, you're, you're just going after the, you know, oppressed in that sense. It's punching down, um, and, and I, don't, I, I don't think that is where good really good comedy uh, arises that doesn't mean you can't find people to laugh at it but mm-hmm. yeah, i don't think that's where good comedy comes from um one one other note about about trump being elected uh and you know how how crushing it is i don't think you see the election i don't think someone like donald trump gets elected elected such a, a you know disgusting kind of sociopathic billionaire buffoon unless you have exploited the people of a country to a very large degree. You know, people are uh, are struggling so much, and none of the re- recovery, the money from the recovery, has gone to the bottom 90%. It's yeah. all gone to the top. So people have not, there's been no recovery. They're seeing that, you know, they can't, they can't take care of their families. The environment around them is collapsing. The health is collapsing. And that's when people 
start to kind of, uh, you know, lose their bearings and elect someone like Donald Trump or one of our many other, you know, uh, uh, kind of billionaire out of touch leaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's when they're fully exploited and it's, and it's kind of, it's very sad. It's kind of the end of a, a collapsing empire. And now you can point at the face of Donald Trump and say, oh, this is what it looks like. But I feel he is a symptom of a, a very sick system. Uh, that, that's a good way to put it. Do you have confidence um, that uh, the norms of, of our democracy, as flawed as it is, um, will continue post Donald Trump? I know Bill Maher has said, you know, he doesn't think Trump will leave office. And I have that fear. They'll, they'll talk about, you know, the elections being rigged and, and question the, the legitimacy of it. And, um, uh, you know, I put nothing past him. Is that, a, is that a worry of yours? Or do you think we'll return to some semblance of normalcy so we can, you know, move forward with, the, with life? Well, I, I guess I would ask what was the normalcy yeah. that we were in? Was, <laughs> was that normalcy just, you know, Wall Street extracting all of the wealth out of the people, you know, laying more oil pipeline mm-hmm. than ever before, endless wars, endless, you know, surveillance state? All of that started under Bush and grew under Obama. Yeah, true. So, so, so I don't want to go back to that normalcy of, of uh, massive surveillance state that is crushing its citizens. I'd rather go back to a to a previous normalcy, maybe. But you know, when? this is this. <laughs> it's 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 you know, it's been going on for for a long time, and and that's why I feel uh, you know Trump is the face of something that has existed for for a couple decades now. Yeah, well, there are some who said, you know, when it was Trump versus Clinton that, uh, you know, maybe we needed to, it to totally be broken to, you know, to have complete chaos and, uh, uh, you know, of just a, a broken system in order to to get back to it's something that works. I don't know if Lee Camp, if you could choose right now um, who would run against Donald Trump in 2020, do you have a, um, a fantasy candidate in mind? Who could run in 2020? Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't really have a fantasy candidate. But I, I while, while I would love to see a uh, you know far uh, far more left wing president, I also think we put too much weight on the presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at uh, obviously Trump's done some horrific things, and we all know that list. Yep. But if you look at some of the giant things he's done or tried to do, uh, they were not real. It really didn't come down to him. You know, it's it like, for example, he said, he said, we're going to, we're, we're pulling out of Syria. We're pulling all the troops out. <laughs> the Pentagon should prepare to pull out. And that was nine days before we then started bombing right. Syria again. And then he was and told, we, no, we're not pulling out of Syria. You, you know, <laughs> stay in yeah, your own so lane. It, 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 yeah. And basically what he's done is even more so taking the gloves off our military industrial complex. So he's not making these decisions as to what we're bombing all day long. It's just it's just going on like it has been in president before him. And so I think that too much weight is given to the presidency. I do think that the presidency obviously is important. And I think Trump has found the most important part of the presidency, which is simply the way that president speaks out and what they're talking about and how they rally the American people. I think that if Obama had actually cared about, let's say, decreasing the prison industrial complex, he should have been speaking about it every day. He mm-hmm. should have been talking about it, rallying people against it. Um, and you, you didn't really see that from him. And, and I, I think that whoever the next president is should learn from Trump and speak about these important issues on a regular basis, just whether it's Twitter accounts or it's, you know, interviews or whatever. But it, the bully pulpit is kind of the most powerful thing the president has. It is. Um, it would be nice if we had a president who understood what the truth was and knew how to speak <laughs> it rather than lying about everything that comes out of his mouth. I think that's done more yeah. damage to this nation than anything is his propensity for lying. Uh, and so we're more in the, in the post-truth era than anything else. Lee Camp, uh, it's so good to talk to you. It really had been too long. I'm, I'm thrilled for your success. You can see Lee Camp weekly on RT. Uh, TV, uh, Redacted Tonight. Um, uh, it airs on Fridays, right? It airs on Fridays, but uh, all of our episodes are up on YouTube at Redacted Tonight. 
and the comedy special mm -hmm. uh, comes out election day, November, this coming election day, November 6th, and if you use the promo code Uncle Sam, it's 25% off. And the, and the uh, website again to get the very patriotic super Uncle Sam comedy special not allowed on American TV? <laughs> Uh, it is special.com. Lee Camp and I'll put the link on my blog at NicoleSandler.com where the, this podcast will live. Uh, Lee, thank you so much. Everyone can follow you on Twitter as well at LeeCamp.com. I'm sorry, at LeeCamp. There's more stuff at LeeCamp.com. You've got Redacted Tonight. You've got, you've got a whole slew of, um, uh, of, of new media places where people can find you, and, and I'm glad they can. Yeah. Lee, thank you so much. It's great talking to you. Great talking to you, Nicole. All right. Best of luck with the special. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much. Keep uh, fighting out there. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. And ah. that, that does it for us for today. Um, uh, thank you for listening, as always. We will return tomorrow, and Howie Klein returns tomorrow, too. Until then, uh, thanks for listening to NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. See you tomorrow, everyone. <laughs>